prepare your ears for some weird candy. Hey, what's up, my fellow weirdos? Happy Tuesday to you. I hope the bow of the work week isn't kicking you too hard. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for all the downloads and everything. Man, this is it's just so much fun, and it's just really incredible to see. So thank you guys so much again. Um, I, hey, check out our Facebook page, uh, Weird Candy Podcast at Facebook, um, or just shoot us an email. Maybe you have an idea for something, uh, a story we, sh- we should check out. Uh, weirdcandypodcast at gmail.com. I guess with that out of the way, uh, fuck it. Let's get weird. Pascagoula, Mississippi is a small southern town located on the Gulf of Mexico. It, it may not be, you know, one stop sign, uh, the butchers, the corner, every modern Reese Witherspoon movie takes place there small, but it only has around 20,000 people, so n- not exactly big city, you know? Uh, while small town living definitely has its charm, it can also mean that most everyone in the area is heavily involved in everyone else's business. Like, oh my gosh, it is part of the Bible Belt. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, did you hear that Brenda's son has started smoking the marijuana? OMG, Osh, I know, right? I heard that Tammy's youngest has started taking NyQuil. <laughs> now, now, just imagine if something truly bizarre were to happen. Not only would you be ridiculed by the police, but in probably about 37 seconds, every single person in town would, would be in on it as well. And this is exactly what happened to two friends when they went to the police station to report that they had been abducted by aliens and what would come to be called the Pascagoula Abduction. In 1973, Charlie Hickson was a foreman at at F.B. Walker & Sons Shipyard, located on the Pascagoula River in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Like, seriously? I'm going to see how many times I can say Pascagoula. Just because it's fun. (laughs) I'm Pascagoula. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, uh, Charlie was a 43-year-old Korean War vet who had had seen some pretty serious shit while he was serving. Uh, Definitely seems like the kind of guy that doesn't, you know, scare very easily. In October of the same year, he had gotten a call from 19-year-old Calvin Parker asking if maybe Charlie could help him out with the job. Calvin was a welder by trade, but he had decided to come down to Pascagoula to make some extra money when he learned that Charlie, an old family friend, was in a position to help him out. Charlie and Calvin's dad had been good buddies for, you know, as long as as long as Calvin could remember, really. Uh, the two families often went camping together. They had dinner at each other's houses. You know, in other words, they were pretty close. Uh, when Calvin arrived in Pascagoula, <laughs> uh, Charlie not only gave him a job, but also rented a room in his home to him. Calvin started at the F.B. Walker shipyard located on the Pascagoula River in Pascagoula, Mississippi <laughs> on October 11, 1973. Uh, you know, and as I record this, it was exactly 49 years ago. And that is a truly strange coincidence. I mean, when I got actually when I first decided, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to hit record today, I, I had really had a whole different story in mind. And this one, it just was meant to be. So, uh, just saying. Uh, at the end of their shift, the two decided to celebrate by going fishing. They went to Charlie's house, grabbed their tackle, and headed to the Shalpeter Pier on the Pascagoula River. <laughs> I told you guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, the road to the pier was really, it, it was a really rough ride, and it was overgrown with waist-high grass. So, they decided to park and, and walk the last 100 yards or so down. They arrived around 6 p.m., or just as the sun was starting to set, you know. Uh, After fishing for about an hour, hour and a half, uh, Charlie started to head back to the car to get some more bait when he heard what he described as a hissing sound. 
Calvin, also hearing the sound, turned and saw hazy blue lights coming from the direction of his car and instantly thought that he was about to be anally probed by some aliens. Uh, no, oh, wait, wait. Oh, damn it. Sorry, guys. Uh, I got the wrong browser tab open again. Mm, damn it. Keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> he actually thought that the police were looking at his car. Uh, you know, it, the pier was technically located on private property. As the two started to walk off the pier away from the Pascagoula River, <laughs> they saw what the lights actually were. As they left the pier, a large oval-shaped craft came into view. They said that it was about 30 to 40 feet across and roughly 8 feet tall with a dome on the top of it. It appeared to be levitating only about 2 feet off the ground. Suddenly, a door opened on the side of the craft and a blinding white light, like that of a welding arc, came flooding out. Next, three gray creatures with wrinkled skin floating above the ground, I know, crazy, right? Uh, were, were on them in, in, in an instant. They described the beings as being roughly humanoid in shape, standing around five feet tall. They didn't have any eyes that we could see, only had a slit for a mouth. The creature's heads appeared to be connected directly to their shoulders. They didn't seem to have a neck at all. They had these carrot-like growths where their nose and ears should have been. Instead of hands, they had lobster-like claws and looked like they only had one leg, almost like their legs had been fused together, ending in an elephant-like foot. Yeah, and you know, and at first, you know, the the whole description that that we just uh, got through together there, it, it made me chuckle. It, I found it amusing. I was like, oh my god, get the fuck out of here! I mean, come on, right? It, it sounds like some fifties low budget movie, but you know, the more I sat and thought about it, it, it does it, it does seem pretty fucking unnerving to say the least. You know, I actually started kind of like trying to conjure this image in my mind, and it was just the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, I don't know, that's, that's kind of fucking weird, you know. Uh, both men said that their abductors moved in mechanical, robotic ways. And, and that also kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> Take me to your leader. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm 12. I told you guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, according to Charlie and Calvin, when the aliens grabbed them, they went numb and couldn't move any part of their body. That's when they noticed that they were also levitating now and slowly being pulled onto the ship. Once inside, Hickson claimed that he was somehow being suspended in the air, hovering a few feet above the ground, when a large, football-shaped mechanical eye, about six to eight inches in diameter, began to scan his whole body. All right, now we're going to get to the probing, right? Huh? <laughs> I know you guys were waiting. Hey, I think we were all waiting for it, weren't we? Come on. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> at first, Parker said that he had fainted. Uh, seriously, <laughs> like all I could think about when he when I read that was like some Southern belle. Like, well, I've got the vapors, Lord, and I'm fucking like swooning to the ground, <laughs> all gracefully. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, uh, you know, he said that he had fainted and that he didn't remember anything after the beings grabbed him. Years later, he would change his statement, and and uh, we'll we'll get to that. It, 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 we'll get we'll get there. Uh, after what Charlie claims was only about twenty minutes, the aliens dropped them back off on the bank of the Pascagoula River, and the craft took off. After these creatures left, Charlie and Calvin raced back to Calvin's car, where they sat for about forty-five minutes drinking whiskey and trying to calm down and, and kind of regain some composure. You know, man, is there enough whiskey to accomplish that? Like, what's the recommended amount of alcohol to get over having been abducted by fucking aliens? Right? Like, anybody know? Anybody? Anybody? No? Yeah, me either. Uh, after a while, <laughs> they, they decided to contact Keesler Air Force Base to report their story, but they were told that the Air Force had nothing to do with UFO reports, and their best bet would be just to contact the local police. After leaving the Pascagoula River, <laughs> they, they <laughs> oh, I love it. It's just, it's a fun word. You should try saying it. Pascagoula. 
Uh, anyway, they drove straight to the Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office, arriving around 10.30 p.m. Sheriff Fred Diamond, and I mean, that's a fucking badass cop name right there, yeah. The name's Sheriff Fred fucking Diamond, motherfucker, and you're going down. <laughs> I just love it. Oh, that name is so good. Sheriff Diamond admitted that the men seemed more, they seemed sincere and genuinely frightened. But after they told him that they drank the whiskey to calm down, you know, he definitely had his doubts about their story. While Diamond was trying to keep an open mind and hear the men out, he, he was uneasy with just how disturbed Calvin Parker seemed to be. Uh, apparently, you know, this Calvin was pretty fucking shaken up. I mean, I would be too. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's just, I mean, ugh. after questioning the men for a while, Sheriff Fred fucking Diamond left them alone in the interrogation room, a room that was outfitted with a hidden microphone. He, he assumed that once the men were alone, that they would talk about the whole thing being some kind of a, a prank or fucked up joke. And, you know, the jig would be up. And I mean, that definitely sounds like something Sheriff Fred fucking Diamond would say. The jig is up. You've just been dabbed by Sheriff Fred fucking Diamond, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. Okay, fine. Fine. I'll stop. I'll stop, guys. <laughs> uh, the recording was kept on file at the Jackson County Sheriff's Department and has since been leaked to, well, just about every single UFO researcher in the fucking world, apparently. Uh, the recording goes as follows. Calvin says, I got to get home. I got to get to bed or get some nerve pills or see the doctor or something. I can't stand it. I I'm about to go half crazy. Charlie. I'll tell you, when we're through, I'll get you something to settle you down so you can get some damn sleep. Calvin, I can't sleep yet like it is. Uh, I'm just damn near crazy. Charlie, well, Calvin, when they brought you out, when they brought me out of that thing, God damn it, I, I, like, to, I like to never in hell got you straightened out. Now, with his voice rising, Calvin says, My damn arms, my arms. I remember they just froze up and, and I couldn't move, just, just like I stepped on a rattlesnake. Charlie, they didn't do me that way. Calvin. I passed out. I, I expect I never passed out in my whole life. For some reason, I just can't keep... And this is just my my the way my head works, but for some reason, you know, I just like keep picturing like Yogi Bear and Boo Boo sitting in the cell. You know? Hey, Boo Boo, I don't think I like that very much. Yeah, I don't think the ranger's going to like this at all, Yogi. <laughs> I don't know. It's just the way my, my head works, you know? Uh, I, I can't help it. Anyway, Charlie goes on. I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. You can't make people believe. Calvin, I don't want to keep sitting here. I, I want to see a doctor. Charlie, they better wake up and start believing. They better start believing. Calvin, you see how that damn door come right up? Charlie, I don't know how it opened, son. I don't, I, I just don't know. Calvin, it just laid, it just laid up. And, and, and just like that, those sons of bitches, just, just like they, they come out. Charlie, I know, you can't believe it. You can't make people believe it. Calvin, I paralyzed right then. I couldn't move. Charlie, they won't believe it. They're they, they going to believe it one of these days. Might be too late. I knew all along there was people from other worlds up there. I knew all along. I never thought it would happen to me, though. Calvin, you, you know yourself I don't drink, Charlie. Charlie, I know that, son. When I get to the house, I'm going to get me another drink make me sleep. You know, look, what we sitting around for? I, I got to go tell Blanche. What are we waiting for? Calvin. I, I, I got to go to the house. I, I'm getting sick. I got to get out of here. Charlie gets up at this point and leaves the room. And then Calvin says one last line. It, it, it's hard to believe. Uh, oh, God, it's awful. I, I know there's a God up there. So, you know, so like, you know, you leave these two guys in the room and you this this is the conversation that's captured. You know, that's that's pretty fucking, I don't know, that's compelling. That, that really kind of, 
it gives me some thought, you know, it's just like, wow, man, fuck. Uh, the, the two men knew that the police didn't believe them. So before they left that night, they volunteered to come back and take lie detector test. The next day they returned to work at the shipyard at, uh, that was located on the Pascagoula river. <laughs> I thought I was done with it. Didn't you <laughs> take that? Uh, <laughs> but the coworkers noticed that Calvin seemed very anxious and preoccupied within the first few hours of their day. Sh- excuse me. Sheriff Fred fucking diamond called to let Charlie know that his office was swarming with news reporters. Uh, after a little back and forth and after, you know, Charlie accusing the sheriff of breaking his confidentiality pledge and being assured that, you know, Sheriff Fred fucking Diamond had done no damn such thing. I mean, this is Fred fucking Diamond we're talking about here. You understand? <laughs> uh, Charlie and Calvin figured that it, it was just, you know, too sensational a story to keep hidden for long. Johnny Walker, owner of F.B. Walker Shipyard, located on the Pascagoula River uh, in Pascagoula, Mississippi, <laughs> he had overheard Hickson talking on the phone and asked him what was going on. After hearing the whole story, Walker suggested that Hickson and Parker contact a Joe Kalingo, a local prominent attorney. After meeting the men, Kalingo and a private detective named Tom Huntley took them to a local hospital, but unfortunately, you know, it was a small facility located kind of in a Reese Witherspoon movie town, uh, and, uh, you know, they lacked the necessary equipment to do radiation tests or any kind of the tests that they were wanting to get done. Uh, from the hospital, the four of them went to Keesler Air Force Base, where they were supposedly examined by several doctors. After the examinations, uh, they claimed to have all been interviewed by an unnamed military intelligence chief of the base. I mean, that's so fucking convenient. You guys know how much I really love vague details. Like, my favorite thing in the, in the world next to, you know, tapioca pudding. <laughs> uh, within days, Pascagoula was the center of an international story with reporters from all, all over the world. I mean, all over the world uh, swarming the town. Uh, at some point, UC Berkeley engineering professor James A. Harder and Dr. J. Allen Hynek, an astronomer that had formerly worked for the U.S. government's own UFO program, Project Blue Book, uh, which, man, we'll, we'll have to look into that guy sometime. That'll be fun. Uh, they both interviewed Hickson and Parker. Harder tried to hypnotize the men, but they were both too anxious for the procedure to work. You know, well, guess he should have tried a little harder. Huh? Come on. Nobody? No? Just me? Ah, I was right there, low-hanging fruit. You know, sometimes you just got to take a swing. (laughs) Oh, well. Uh, While Calvin Parker mostly avoided the media, Charlie Hickson was the exact opposite. Charlie speculated that it was because while he had seen combat in Korea and experienced quite a few disturbing things during his service, you know, on the other hand, Calvin was a young man and had never suffered through a, a terrifying encounter, let alone an encounter with something that isn't even supposed to fucking exist. I mean, sure, once you've seen some combat, what's a little alien anal probing, right? (laughs) <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, eventually, both men got tired of all the attention, and they headed away from Pascagoula and moved up to Jones County, Mississippi, to stay with some family and friends and kind of, you know, just let the whole thing blow over for a while. Uh, I guess Charlie got bored, and, and not only did he start talking to the media again, I mean, he made the entire fucking circuit. And he was giving lectures, doing interviews with anyone that would listen. Uh, he was headline the headline in newspapers all over the country. He was interviewed on the Dick Cavett Show, which was pretty pretty big back in the 70s. And he was even a guest on the 70s TV show, uh, To Tell the Truth. I mean, you could find like you could find several documentaries with within a fifteen second Google search, and uh, let me tell you, they are uh, shall we say, uh, I mean, they're fucking riveting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, whew, these things are you know, blockbusters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> Calvin Parker, on the other hand, uh, he, he kind of had the exact opposite reaction. After leaving Pascagoula, he, he wound up having a complete emotional breakdown and was hospitalized for some time. After being released from the hospital, him and his new wife relocated and Calvin started working on oil rigs. Uh, so according to him, anyway, every time anyone would recognize him, he would he would quit on the spot. And him and uh, Mrs. Boo Boo, uh, Boo Boo, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, they would relocate again. It wasn't until 2018 that Calvin Parker decided to write a book about his incident. In the last two years, he's only done you know a handful or so of interviews, and usually he tries to pick out the reporters that he feels are aren't just trying to make him look like more of a nut job than he sounds. Uh, there, there really is only one problem with this and man, in his recent book, he claims that he didn't actually faint and that he was awake and aware the whole time. So, uh, yeah, buckle up folks. Uh, shit's about to take a pretty wild turn. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I've actually been waiting for something like this through the whole, the whole story. Like, honestly, like, Oh boy. Uh, here we go. Uh, more than 20 years after the original event, Calvin did an interview in which he claims that he was laid down on a sloped table and examined by a petite, evidently female being. Like, <laughs> I told you, it was going to get good. Although he was paralyzed, he was able to observe this being inject a needle into the base of the underside of his penis. And there it is, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's not exactly like anal probing. But there always seems to be some kind of a, I don't know, I guess a sexual undertone to these abductions. Uh, anyway, uh, the, the sexy-ass alien chick later communicated with him telepathically, saying that he had been chosen for a reason. But she couldn't tell him what the reason was. I mean, of course, why, why, why give you all the answers? I mean, you gotta figure something out for yourself, dickhead. Come on. <laughs> After she gave him a uh, intergalactic needle-infused hand job, uh, oh man, that just sounds terrible when I say it out loud. Oh, he was led back outside of the craft uh, where the rest of our tale took place. Uh, but you know that that's not the end. Aha! Uh-huh, of course not, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna go, you know, if you're gonna jump ship and just go fucking crazy, like you, you got to go full batshit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Parker claims that 19 years after the original uh, abduction, he came into contact with the uh, same craft again. This time, he voluntarily walked aboard the craft, and he met with the same female being that ex- had examined him back in the 70s, and she presented him with his baby, which was now, you know, 19 years old. Okay, fuck it. I made that up. Come on, you guys are buying it. You know you've heard stories like that. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, <coughs> excuse me. He says that he had a uh, conversation with this alien chick in English, of course, because everybody knows they speak English everywhere, you know, uh, in which she communicated a relig- religious message. She told him that they shared the same God and that the Bible was authentic and that her species, they really wanted to live on Earth, but they couldn't due to humanity's tendencies towards war and destruction. See, I told you, I told you this shit was about to get fucking loopy. Yeah, cool story, bro. Yeah. Damn, if I had a nickel for every time some hot-ass alien chick prodded my penis and told me that everything I believed was true, man, fuck, I'd, I'd probably have it at least a, a half a nickel or so, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, since the original abduction, several people have, have come forward saying that they had witnessed a UFO with hazy blue lights on the night that Charlie and Calvin uh, had had their experience. You know, most of these are, are your pretty typical, you know, like, well, I was driving in my car when I saw it, or my husband and I were in our backyard and boom, there it was, or I had just eaten a huge bag of magic mushrooms. I mean, you know, the you know typical stuff. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, I, I, I really think that this story resonates with so many people 
You know, because it's so easy to believe that in such a vast universe, I mean, there has to be life on other planets, right? We can't possibly be the only ones. Uh, you know, were Charlie and Calvin just, you know, were they really taken aboard an alien craft? Or or did they just have too much to drink and decide to come up with a wild story in, in order to, I don't know, make some easy money, you know, maybe write some books or something? I honestly don't think that we'll ever know for sure. Uh, when it comes to aliens, I'm kind of like Fox Mulder. Uh, yeah, yeah, ask your parents, kids. <laughs> you know, I, I want to believe. Whether I do or not, I'm honestly not sure. I do know that I won't be doing any fishing on the Pascagoula River anytime soon. Remember, an open mind leads to endless possibilities. Join us next time for another piece of weird candy.